Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. I'm Tommy Costello with Dr. Stephen Frew, dual PhD in theology and psychology. And today, we're going to be playing around with a, a complex topic, to say the least. And the podcast today is, what's love got to do with it? So I'm going right to you. What's love got to do with any of this, man? Yeah, that's, I, I mean, it's a powerful, wonderful discussion, I think, because uh, in our culture, we abuse the concept of love. We talk about falling in love. Who the hell knows what that means? Falling. Falling where? It's, love isn't falled into. Love is something you choose and something you do. The concept of falling in love is more about... Uh, more addictive kind of relation. It's more about triggers. It's more about being in a, a, a trance, a spell. It has, it's kind of a dumbed down way of looking at love. So if you walk around giddy and say, I'm in love, uh, maybe you don't know what you're talking about. And so we want to look at that a little bit and say, what's love have to do with anything? Because the old idea is that Love is the core of the universe. Love is the force, the only force that changes anything in the world. Love is something that we get to do, not something that happens to us. It's more important to know that you love than it is to say, I, am I loved? Am I loved is another version of narcissism. To say I love is a statement about your truth and your purpose and your identity and your why in this world. So what is good or bad about, say, someone loving sports? I love that because um, that can also be demeaned by some people. Uh, who think that loving sports is something wrong with that. I don't. I think it's a part of your passion in life and what you are observing for. You love your body. You love your body's movement, your body's talent, your body's whatever it can do kind of thing. And you love being with other players. So you love a specific sport, football instead of baseball, tennis instead of football, whatever it is, because that's a statement about your unique individuality. If you are seduced into saying, I'm a tennis player because I'll make more money, then you're probably messing with yourself. And you're probably not going to turn out real well. If you say, I love the thwack of a tennis racket, and I love being on a clay court, and I love the person I play doubles with, I love enjoy the way they compete, I love the, my competitors, you say, I have a sense of what's happening there, and it kind of duplicates how I approach life, then loving that sport feels to me like an, an original declaration for you, like something that's true of you. Yeah. And when you say something's true of you, I think I think the big thing is when you're when you're in love with something, someone, it's it's never forced, right? If you uh love eating steak, uh it's not you don't feel forced to eat it. You know, but if you don't love eating your vegetables, uh then sometimes it can be forceful. Oh, I, I have to eat the broccoli. And so my thought process on this is sometimes even though that we were in love with the sport at one time, how sometimes that, that can come and go that, that love. And maybe, yeah. maybe it's better to attach maybe a different word than love to it as more 
something that's on the path towards love, which is passion. Yeah. Uh, I think passion is on the path towards love. And when there's passion behind a sport there or passion behind an activity, a passion behind something, it gives you an openness for commitment towards it. It, it is the almost the door that opens towards love is the passion. And so when that door opens, the love then grabs the commitment to the game and the commitment to the craft. And that is where I really believe humans are developing within sports. And that's why I, I talk about that, hum, develop the human within the athlete, because I believe that they're really developing within the sports and sports can be the mechanism in which we learn life. So that's very well said, by the way. Thanks. And, and I really think that if you're passionate about it and you can keep working towards it, you can learn how to fall in love with it. But <laughs> falling in love with it can be dangerous. Uh, we have uh, two players, and you'll think this is actually pretty funny. Two players, professionals, um, and this one guy doesn't have a girlfriend. The other guy doesn't have a girlfriend. And he said, uh, he goes, why don't you have a girlfriend? And uh, he said, I'm married to the game. And he goes, man... Baseball could really, baseball is a tough game to be married to, man. He goes, uh, well, I can't really say it on the podcast. But, but so is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, the, I'll just say it. The, the tough part, the tough part about playing baseball is, uh, baseball usually does all the fucking, you never get to fuck it. Uh, and, whoa. uh, and I think, uh, I think that can be true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty hairy right there. I don't know if we'll keep that in or not, but um, you're deciding I'm not. But I, I like that way of thinking about it because but you don't fall in love with baseball, but you love baseball. If you use fall in love, you're talking about a spell. Maybe some people do, but they're limited because they have. Because you have a certain, in every loving relationship, in a good friendship, in a good marriage, in a good business, whatever it is, there's a certain healthy distance that is required for you to be as healthy as you can be. That's why we use the phrase, in order to love your family, you have to leave first, leave your family. There's a certain kind of, at a certain point in a person's life, there's a certain point at which they have to leave their family in order to love them. They have to gain a kind of distance from the patterns in the family, and so they can see who they are and what they're doing and what their intentions are. So... If you love baseball, that's one thing. If you're in love, maybe you're under a spell that isn't necessarily the best thing for you. Yeah, that's fair to say. And I think uh, you'll see this amongst players that maybe get removed from the game for a year or two. Yes. And then they end up looking at it in a whole different way. Yeah. Um, or maybe someone that has played the game and then they see their child go through the game. They end up grabbing a reconnection and love for the game. And it's the same kind of component that you talk about with the family dynamics being removed from something so that you can have a different perspective yes. on that yes. uh, can allow you to reclaim and understand what it is that you were so attracted to about it. Yeah. You know what? We use the concept. We talk about the concept natural genius. Natural genius is a wonderful way to relate to yourself and what Tommy is saying, because it's not just the game out there. It's what's unique about you. What's, what's different? What's original? What, what do you observe for? What do you really 
what makes your tail wag? Every one of us is unique and individual in that. Now, there's a concept. I read this just last week. I want to share it with you. It's called terroir, T-E-R-R-O-I-R, terroir. Terroir is used in the wine industry. It has to do with the study of the soil complexity, the climate, the geology, the history, all of that stuff. Guess what? All of that, as you study it, goes into how the wine shows up on your palate over a nice dinner with your person, whoever you're with. That's It shows up in the expression. Well, I got to thinking humans have a terroir. We have our own individual history. Or we have our mother, father. We have our own genealogical history. We have our climate where we grew up, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, New Mexico, wherever it is. There was a culture there that was distinct and different from the culture in the next part of the country. So there's, there's an influence that comes to us that we're not necessarily uh, aware of. And when you're talking about love, Guess what? That shapes how you talk about love and how you talk about love for the sport. If you grew up in New Jersey, as I did, the way you talked about football basically was about um, macho stuff. You know, you play hurt. You're going to kill the opponent. You're going to really shame. You're going to wipe him out. You, there was a whole kind of, I don't know, primitiveness in it. In other places, I don't think that is the same thing. If you walk, work, grow up in a con, in the context of Southern California, you might talk about that very differently. So you you have a culture, you have a history, you have a genealogy, you have a climate, you have a, a lot, you have a soil composition, you have a lot of things in your life that feed into how and who you love. Then, if you can get that part, then you can say. How do I love? Not how am I supposed to love? Do you know this is a simple thing that most of the men I've talked to who've gotten married, I've been involved in their marriages. I've even actually been the person, the officiant in some of their marriages. Most of them don't ever ask. If you ask them, uh, why are you marrying this woman? They don't have a good answer. Well, I love her, Stephen. Yeah, I know, but you love your mother. Why are you marrying her? Well, they are kind of dumbstruck there because they haven't really thought through what their purpose, what their intention, what their values, what their beliefs are, what love is about for them. Love isn't about the spell. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Is that enough or more? No, I, I, I'm with you. Okay. I think, uh, I think it would be really good to offer s some, maybe some advice on how you remove yourself from being casted under the spell or how do you understand if you are under a spell, like what kind of meditation or self proclamation or understanding do you have to go through in order to understand what is um what is really happening because a lot of people don't even realize right don't even right. realize that so your conversation uh and and what you're talking about makes sense maybe to someone like me or someone who's done a lot of work on this type of stuff because i can clearly see it i can clearly understand it and for you as a guy who's been doing this what for 60 plus years yeah it's 
it's clear to you, right? This yeah. is the the journey you've walked for the 60 years. But for someone listening to this is like, what do you even mean? Like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about because, That's right. yes. because I don't, I don't even understand what you're talking about because I've never even thought that way. And I think what's really important is that if you could offer a way to help someone remove themselves psychologically from their current situation and start to assess the way that they think and how do you assess yourself on the way you think? That's a good, really good observation because you know better than I do that there are players who've gotten into a spell, for example, with a coaching team, and the coaching team isn't necessarily the best team for them, but they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to address it. And so they complain about it, but they don't really feel free to address a particular coach and say, hey, Tommy, I, I just don't feel good the way you're coaching me. It doesn't work, and I'm, and I'm getting injured all the time. They don't, know how, they don't have that personal yeah, authority they get, to do that. They, they get labeled as uncoachable. Yes. And so then, then they, they learn how to wear it, and then they learn to mask it and say, all right, well, I don't really know what he's saying. I'm really frustrated with what he's saying. Um, now I can't be seen as uncoachable. So let me just do my best to get through this. The cultural thing is you're in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and you're saying the exact same thing about the teacher. Teacher's going on about something up there. You don't like it. You're not getting it. You don't want to be part of the conversation. You wish you'd get the hell out of that classroom. But you don't because you have to stay there because your parents said so or the school said so. So you you compromise your own insight, natural genius. You compromise it. You try to adapt. You try to adjust. You try to be a good boy or a nice boy or a good student. You put some label on something. And that is a step, and there's a bunch of those steps, away from the self. So by the time you get playing on a team and the coach is replicating what the teacher did, maybe what your dad did, the coach is replicating it somehow, then you're without the maybe competency to say, whoa, 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 this doesn't work for me. If school would be different if you could say that in the third grade. This doesn't work for me. I don't understand what you're meaning, teacher. Let's try it again. That would be my idea of an ideal classroom for my children, where the students, what they bring to the classroom was every bit as important as what the teacher brought to the classroom. And their insight and their way of learning was honored. Yeah, not to get too away from the concept of love, but what you show up and what you bring to your environment that you're in yes, is your biggest value. That's your love. That's your love. Yes. And so I think that that's really important is I think a lot of times that teachers and students show up and they believe that this teacher is the only one that has to bring the bring something to the table. That's a paradigm. When in reality, the student has to bring a lot of yearning and wanting for growth. Yes. Or. Or not. Or not. Or they could bring um, skepticism. Yes. Think about religion. Think about cults where people are not developed enough. So they follow a leader, but they follow that leader mindlessly. There's also true in religion that we have been conditioned to take what the woman up there or the guy up there as little literal truth and not to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't see it that way. I don't understand it that way. 
this big thing about the cosmos and about God and God within, that's all individual stuff. That's not somebody else's outline. That's your individual stuff. How you show up. Martin Luther in 1517 said after he declared all of his objections to the way the church functioned, at the bottom he said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. He meant I'm an individual and I see something happen. That was his love. Your love is your passion. Your love is what changes the world, believe it or not. Very little else changes anything. Your love is capable of changing relationships, changing decisiveness. It's, it's capable of changing the way you're coached and the quality of the coaching and the quality of the players playing the game and the way the team shows up. It's huge. You can see these stories all over once you start thinking about it. They say, well, this team really loves each other and talks to each other. I'd like to go in that locker room and hear what they mean by that because I think it happens, and I think some coaches are more artistic and artful about producing that than others are. But there's a big conversation waiting to happen right here. And, and the way I teach it is to say, don't tell me you're in love. Tell me how and who you love and why and what's going on there. That tells me more about you. And that tells me more about what this relationship is going to look like. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're spot on with that. Yeah. And I, I really believe that it takes a certain type of person to do the reflecting. And so if you could offer some wisdom on how someone could reflect on this or well, what they could look for in their daily life. Yeah. The, the person that would want to be open to that conversation, that's where I'd start because not everybody is. There'll be people listening, say, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. And I get it. And you're welcome to do that. We're talking about a conversation with, with you and with each other, that has to do with a couple of assumptions. We assume of each other we're on the same page. That Tommy is curious about what I say. I'm curious about what Tommy says. And we're both involved in an interactive discovery exploration, which means that these ideas can kind of get teased out of their suppression or out of their darkness. We can get our hands around them. So... So it sounds first, like your advice would be to talk to someone about this. Well, it would be tribal, right? We, we already talked about that and we'll talk about it more. It would be having some people that you trust. I trust Tommy. He trusts me. So we talk about this. But if he didn't trust me or I didn't trust him, he might sit there and say, look, Stephen, you know, I, I, I just don't get what you're talking about, you know, and I'm not into the PhD stuff. And I might say, you know, I'm not an athlete, Tommy, you know, you're a coach, you know, we might disparage each other and dismiss each other. What Which nothing, yeah. nothing happens there. Yeah. And so I, I, that, that goes to, you know, you got to get around people that are, are on a similar mission as you. Yes. And that doesn't mean similar age, similar interest. No. That means people that have a passion for wanting whatever it is that you want. Yes. You know, you got to find those people. Yes. You know, if you want to be the greatest inventor, you got to go get around some great inventors. You'd be smart to. Yeah. And if you can find some great inventors that would really interact with you and be open to you and really, you know, get into it, that would be an ideal thing for the young inventor. Because they right? love inventing. Yes. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah. And if you want to have a, a good relationship, for example, in a marriage, you want to hang out with people who love their marriages and are doing something to expand them. That's and interesting. Them. Maybe love your marriage rather than falling in love with a person. Yeah. 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 There's that. There's that. There's about, about anything, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have 
coached people in my practice where one partner disparages any kind of self-knowledge or self-discovery, and the other partner is very open to it. And I've worked my butt off to try to engage the person who was pushing it away. That rarely rarely works. Some do, some don't. Yes. And that's the mystery of life. Yeah. That's right. You could say Tommy Costello coaching isn't for everybody. No. And then for the people that it is for, they're going to get a lot. But if it isn't for you, Bob, then God bless. Move on. Yep. Is that what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that naturally happens. Yeah. Less of a, this isn't going to work and more of a, you know, it just happens that way. Some people just don't get it. Right. Or maybe I don't get them. Well, this, you know, we, there's a, podcast coming i don't know if we'll get to it in this series but called commitment communication and conflict and this really feeds into that because what you're talking about right there is how does a person look at their own commitment and to what and how do they communicate what those dimensions are for them can they and can they believe in you enough to listen to how you communicate and can you both embrace the conflict in that which is natural because that's the way growth happens. That's where gold is. Mm. It's an old idea. But if you're different than I am, and you certainly are, then we're going to conflict. And if we conflict, we're both going to, if we love each other, if that's the driving force and we love what we're doing, then our conflict is going to reveal stuff we didn't know before we started the conflict. Makes sense. Yeah. And I'm going to go, wow. And you're going to go, wow. Yeah. The love drives it. Yeah. The love drives it. Good. I think that's a good place to finish. Is it? Yeah. I'll tell you a poem then. Okay. Antonio Machado. He says this poem Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. What were your words, Jesus? Love, loyalty, faithfulness? All your words were one word. Wake up. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 